Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, I've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. But we're going we're gonna, to, if you'll track with me, you know what that means to track with somebody, you're, you're looking, you know, you got your focus out there, track with me. Because I want to uh, give us some uh, insight that we can put to practice right away and that we can begin to make effective progress for having hearts that hear God so that we can really hear God accurately and closely. Remember one of the things that the Lord told me, and it was the number one, he gave me five things and I've been focusing on them for over a year and a half now. He said that that you would learn to hear the voice of God with a certainty, that you would know his leading with a certainty so that God doesn't have to spend three weeks convincing you it's him. But he wants you to be able to hear and immediately act on what you hear because you have confidence. I know the voice of the Lord. I know how he's prompting me. That's God. I'm taking a move in that direction. And so to do that, it takes us giving our attention and us learning his way and identifying through the word of God. Because if we try to identify his leading with our feelings, we're gonna fall short because God doesn't lead by feelings. And so to understand how he leads, we first need to identify where does he lead us? Because when I first came to God, I was, I had, I came in not knowing anything about the Bible. I was absolutely lacking all information about the Bible. I didn't know who any of the Bible people were. I didn't know any Bible stories. I surely didn't know any principles of the Bible. And so when I began to hear different people talk about being led of the Lord. There were some instances that, that they were being led by open doors, led by opportunities. Well, it has to be God because it's a raise and the benefits that go with it. Yeah, but it took you out of the church where you were and moved you to another side of the state where there weren't any good churches and you don't know what your family is getting ready to, the people your family is getting ready to get connected to. And so God doesn't lead by open doors and opportunities. God doesn't lead by money. He doesn't lead by feelings. He doesn't lead by um, uh, uh, things that are, are out here in the sense realm. God, his preferred method to deal with every person is to deal with us in our spirit, our heart. And so since that's where God leads us, let's look at Romans 8, and I'll show you that because we want to know if this is God's preferred communication. We don't want to send him a text if he'd rather get an email. You know, there's times that that with my pastor, uh, he, he... I, I don't want to send my pastor a text. 
because I don't want to interrupt him. I will send him an email and let him answer me at his convenience because a text is more demanding of, you know, right now. So I try to find the way to approach or to send any information he may need from me. And I'm not talking about my husband. I'm talking about Pastor Caldwell. I don't want to send him things. I'm not going to text him unless he texts me first and then I'll text him back but I'm going to send it in a way that he can read it and pray about it and answer it if through that email. Or if it's something more personal, I'm not going to text him. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not heavy on texts because there's so much lost in the text. Am I right? I mean, you can text and you'll get one thing and they meant another. And so it can cause offense. It can cause people to get their feelings hurt because the text doesn't carry the same impression or emotion or inflection that your voice might. So anyway, I'm saying preferred communication. God doesn't want us to demand from him that he deal with us through outward appearances like Gideon did. You know, when you say, you may hear somebody, because it is a, a religious thing. Well, I put out a fleece before God. And what they're referring to is an Old Testament example of a man in the book of Judges named Gideon. And Gideon, he wanted to know what God's will was in that situation. So he said, God, if that's what you want me to do, if this is you, then I'm going to put this cotton down here in this hole, this fleece. And when I wake up in the morning, let the cotton be wet and the ground be dry. And when he woke up, it was the way he asked for it. And he said, Lord, if it's really you, now, now he's pushing. Now, if it's really you, let the opposite happen tomorrow. Let the ground be dry and the cotton be wet. And when he woke up, it was that way. And then he went and acted on what God was trying to get him to do. And that's what a lot of people have brought over into their walk with God here in the new birth. They say, well, if God wants me to do that, let me get the job. If God wants me to do that, let them call me. If God wants me to do that, let him send me a sign of, of you know, a, a three red cars driving by my house in a row. Well, you know, the enemy could influence three people with red cars to drive by your house. He can, he can manipulate that. He can get involved in that because he hears what you're saying. When you verbalize your prayer, he can hear it and he tries to get in there and manipulate it. And so we'd, and, and that's not honorable to make God send me outward signs. Amen. So what we want to do is we want to find out, God, how do you want to communicate with me? What's your best way? Because I'll tell you why. God's way of communication is a way that the enemy cannot interfere with. And when the, when the Lord shows you something through his preferred method of communication, the enemy won't even know it if you don't open your mouth and tell him. There was some wisdom in Mary because she hid in her heart what the Lord showed her until the time was right, right? And so there are things that the Lord wants to be able to communicate with us so that we can pray in a way in line with that, so that we can know what to expect, so that we can be ahead of what the enemy is doing. Let's look at Romans 8. And the enemy won't be able to manipulate it. He won't be able, and if we'll be skilled in this way, then we will be at an advantage. 
Romans chapter 8, let's start in verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So this is part of our inheritance. As sons of God, it is our inheritance to have the leading of the Spirit of God. A person who is not in a relationship with God doesn't have this as their personal inheritance, but you do. You do, you do. You have a personal, this is part of what I have inherited in becoming a believer in Jesus Christ. I have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days out of the year. There is not a moment in my life where he won't lead me. So the leading, now this word sons identifies maturity. It's not a word for babies. It's not a word for infants. It's not a word for toddlers. It's a word that talks about maturity, that I'm a believer who is growing in Christ. I'm a believer who is learning to uh, uh, hear the word of God through, through his word, hear from God. I'm growing in the things of God. So the more that I mature spiritually, the more effective his leading will be in my life. Without that maturity, he's limited in his leading me because of the maturity level that I'm bringing to him. So the, he's, he's all in and, and capable of leading me if I'm capable of following. And the maturity marks the following. So the, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, for they've not received, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. We have the Spirit of God that, who reveals to us who we are and who He is to us. Verse 16, the Spirit himself, I don't like itself, I marked it right out of my Bible because it's not accurate in honor to him. The Spirit himself, now that's personal. The Spirit himself, do you see what a benefit this is? Do you see what an honor it is? That the Spirit himself bears witness with us. We don't have to, we don't have to send a message to God and the message go through 42 angels, two seraphim, a, a few of the saints in heaven before it gets to God. No, the Spirit himself deals with us. Amen. The Spirit himself, what an honor. How should I show that I think that's honorable? What would be the most thing, that, the most expression from me that I'm honored that the Spirit himself is dealing with me? that I would interact with him, that I would not ignore him. You know, it's possible to get up and go through your whole day and ignore him. And he dwells in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. So let's not ignore him. Let's engage conversation with him. Let's acknowledge him. Let's ask him questions. Holy Spirit, show me. Hallelujah. I, show me paths. If there's anything that I need to do different, would you bring it to me? If there's an area that I need to change, you'll be surprised. 
You'll be surprised if you'll begin to just ask him. And then, and then you'll see throughout the day some things come to you and you're like, I just talked about that with the Lord this morning. I just engaged him in conversation and asked him to help me get some things in order, and he brought that up to me. So the Spirit himself, he bears witness. I think that's the key right there. Underline that in your Bible. Mark that in your journal. He bears witness. He bears witness. This is how he wants to communicate with us. He wants to lead us by bearing witness with our spirit, not our mind, not by sending outward signs across our path. He wants to deal with our spirit, and it, he, he refers to it as bearing witness, and, and bearing witness would be, can you show me the Amplified? Let's just see if the Amplified helps us on this one. Bearing witness is like, yes, that's good. And you'll have that peace that comes up, that green light. He testifies together with our own spirit. Hallelujah. He testifies together, bearing witness with our spirit. So that's what we want to get, gain skill in. We want to identify how do I see that? Well, because he wants to bear witness with our spirit, then our spirit needs to be conditioned to hear. We don't want, because the Bible warns about people being hard-hearted, calloused in their heart. He, he talks about in the, Jesus talked about in the book of Luke that in the last days, because of what people see coming, that their hearts will faint. He's not talking just about the physical organ of the heart being under so much physical stress, but he's talking about the spiritual heart not being able to produce the faith to resist and to believe for protection. How can people believe for protection when they are building their faith in the destruction? They're building their faith in failure. They're building their faith in defeat. They're listening to it and feeding on it and feeding on it and worrying about it and talking about it. And did you see the news? And did you see what they said? And did you say, say this is going to happen? And they say, this is going to happen. And the more that they dread, and in chapter, uh, I think it's Luke 24, maybe, where, or 21, he said um, that, that for things that they see coming on, they hadn't come yet but they just hear about it. They're just talking about it. And so nothing has happened, but the dread of it is draining their spiritual energy. So we've got to watch the condition of our heart and we've got to have our heart spiritual. We've got to have our heart mature, our spirit. So let's identify this. First of all, John 3. Now, now here's where you got to track with me because I need to do this like a case study but I'm not going to go so fast that we lose the import. So John 3, we want to identify where God is speaking to us. He's speaking to us in our spirit. So I've got to learn how to hear with my spirit. John 3 in verse 6, Jesus said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So whenever you see the word heart and you see the word spirit, we're talking about the same thing, the heart of man, the spirit of man, the innermost core of his being. And he said, when you're born again, because he said in verse three, 
Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse seven, he said, you must be born again. Verse eight, he said, so is everyone that is born of the spirit. So that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You are not your body. You're not your mind. You are a born again child of God, a spiritual person, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are born again. Old things are passed away, all things are created new, and all things are of God. And this being of who you are in Christ, this new creature, this new being needs to be fed, needs to be conditioned, needs to be strengthened because we are spiritual, so we can't live on intellectual food. If you feed the intellect, you'll grow in intellectual strength, but you won't grow in spiritual strength. So that's why you've got to eat spiritual food. Amen? Amen? And so the word of God is the food, the spiritual food that is going to cause your spiritual person to grow stronger. So John chapter 4 right here next door to it, verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So our human spirit is alive unto God. Our human spirit is spiritually alive, and we worship from our spirit. We want to, and there's a difference, because you can move... I like, I like Psalm 100. It helps me so much because it shows me the progression. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We enter into his courts with praise. And then we go into the inner court with the worship. We go on into the presence of God. So do you see the progression there? That, that the way to get out of the flesh, the, one of the first things that you can do is just start being thankful. Amen. You want to get out of the flesh and into the spirit, start thanking God. Amen. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Thank you that my name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you that the blood of Jesus has washed you. Thank you that I'm in my right mind. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing on this day. Thank you, Lord, that my car's running. Thank you, Lord. I mean, just whatever it is, just start being thankful and giving him the the thanks and when you do then you'll start it, you'll it'll that thanksgiving will move you into praise it'll move you into praise and you'll be lord you've helped me did you see how we did that today we started out i'm free i was thankful i'm free right and, and then we moved on we moved over into a place where we found out there's no, there was such a realization in me that nobody else works miracles but him He's my miracle worker, and he's my father, and he's willing to work miracles on my behalf and my family. It was just so real to me. And where did that come? In his presence. That Thanksgiving moved us into praise, and then we moved over into worshiping him. We worship you. You deserve the glory. You deserve the praise. And that in that presence, we got answers. We got blessed, didn't we? Our family got blessed because we got in his presence. Hallelujah. 
But, but the, do you see, we had to move out of the mind and into the heart and praise him, thank him from our heart, praise him from our heart, worship him from our heart. And when that spiritual flow was coming out from us, his spiritual flow was able to manifest in a greater way in this service in our lives. So we worship in spirit. Now also, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says that we can pray with our spirit. When we pray, our spirit prays, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 14, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So if I'm praying the word, my spirit is praying that. If I'm praying and, and making a petition, but, but in those instances, my mind understands it. My mind has gathered truth and light, and I'm coming with light, and I'm praying specific scriptures over my family, praying specific scriptures over my finances. I'm coming to God and saying, Father, I thank you that according to your word, that you, you have given me a covenant of peace, the evil be ceased out of my land. Lord, you will cause the, the, you will call for the corn and you will lay no famine upon me. Father, I thank you that you, uh, you increase me more and more, me and my children. Father, I thank you that I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed coming out. I'm blessed in the field the city, the country, and my basket. Father, I thank you that as I give, it is given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. My spirit is praying that, but my mind understands it too. And that's good. I should do that. I should do that, not leave that undone. But I have another advantage that the Holy Spirit will help me. And when I pray in the spirit, He's helping me, but I'm praying because I'm the one in authority in my family. I'm the one in authority in my life. I'm the one who needs to ask because he said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. So I, have, I can't go to sleep and Holy Spirit pray for me. That, he's not going to pray for me while I'm sleeping. He, he helps me pray. He's not praying for me. He helps me pray. He gives me the words I need so I can say accurately what I need to say, even if my mind doesn't understand it. And I encourage you to, to stop in the, in, at, at whatever point and say, Father, I believe I receive what I just prayed in the Spirit. I attach my faith to that. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, I believe I receive what I just prayed. Hallelujah. I don't have to understand it to believe I receive it. I believe it was the perfect will of God. So, but regardless... Your spirit prays. So prayer is not to be done out of the mind. Now listen, prayer is something that a lot of people who don't have accuracy in the word, they're, they're praying and it's not to God. There's a lot of people praying and not to God. So we want to pray accurately, right? But we don't want to quit praying because everybody's praying and they're not getting results. We want to be effective in our prayers, so we want to be biblical in our prayers. And so when, when we pray our spirit, our human spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit, he's not going to do it without your human spirit, but your human born again, alive unto God's spirit, prays and worships. So when you come into church and the music is playing and, 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 the, and I say to you, let's lift up our hands to the Lord, and you're like, I don't want to lift my hands. It's not your spirit that says that. 
You say, I'm looking up. I'm not looking at anybody. It's not your spirit that says, I don't want to lift my hands because lifting holy hands is biblical worship and biblical New Testament worship. Clapping is not. I'm doing a lot of pastoring here, so we'll just, we'll just go. Clapping is not New Testament worship. There's only one instance in the Bible where it speaks of people clapping, and it's actually not in worship to the Lord. It says they, people clap their hands, and then they shout to God. So clapping is not a New Test. There's no New Testament emphasis on clapping because clapping is honoring for people. If, if, a, if, the, if a, a dignitary came in if, and they said, let's stand to our feet and give, uh, give him uh, applause, we would give that to a person, but I wouldn't come up to that dignitary and say, I, I'm giving you I'm giving you honor. I wouldn't lift my hands to them, would I? So applause is for people, and it's okay to clap your hands in a song and keep in beat. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, you know, I'm talking about uh, clapping to God as worship. It's not, we wanna, we wanna worship from our spirit, and so to worship from our spirit, we have to be in line with truth, and I don't know why I'm there, so I'm just there. So praise the Lord. We wanna worship with our spirit. Hallelujah. So the human spirit, your spirit, is where spiritual activity originates to God, and that's where God is going to speak to you. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, which means completely, whole sanctify you completely. And I pray God, your whole, complete spirit and soul and body. So now we have an identification, evidence of, of the parts that, that make us up. Spirit, soul, and body. I have a body, but I am not controlled by my body. I, sh- I don't want to be controlled by my body. I should not be controlled by my body. It wants to drive. But my body's not a good driver. It takes me too many laps around that chocolate cake on the counter. It's not even good to have chocolate cake on the counter. Miss Evelyn made me a strawberry cake one day. Oh, I will never forget that strawberry cake. But I I almost ate the whole thing, me and Kim together. (laughs) We almost ate the whole thing in two days. Like, this is so good. You can't let your body drive. Okay, but you are not your body and you're not your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. You're not your soul. You are a spirit. You are you, are you the born again you, the spirit of you. You are a spiritual being. And that's, notice, that's first in line on purpose because that should be the order that my spirit should be directing the decisions and the activities of my life. And then I put my soul under subjection to my spirit. My mind is under subjection to my spirit. So if my mind starts thinking and worry, my spirit has to take authority over that worry and say, no, 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 we're not thinking worry. We're not thinking fear thoughts. We're not thinking, thinking critical thoughts of other people. We're not thinking thoughts that violate 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're not thinking thoughts that are not in the list of Philippians chapter 4. 
And so we bring our mind, our will, the things we're choosing, and our emotions underneath the control or the guidance of our spirit. And then our body is directed. It's, your body will be a whole lot easier to keep under control when you're spiritually strong. So this order is a divine order, and there's a distinction between the three. You know, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says that the Word of God will divide between the soul and the spirit. The Word of God brings a division. The Word of God will help you identify whether that's in you, in your heart, or whether that's just you in your mind. So the more time that you spend feeding on the word, the more you're going to be able to identify what's coming from your heart and what's just coming from your thinking. And, and that's a big, uh, that's a big um, uh, stepping stone in this journey, in this growth, because there, that, that was the one thing I was like, is that just me? Is that just me thinking that? You know, because I'm renewing my mind. I'm in the process of, of learning the word and letting it replace the wrong thoughts that I had. And so that process, during that process is when you begin to identify, no, that was him in my heart. That was him prompting me in my heart. And so the time with the word, the word of God will help you divide between the spirit and the soul. That was Hebrews 4.12. Uh, James chapter 1. We're talking about these three parts, the spirit, the soul, the body. James chapter 1 and verse 21 says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And that's talking about the flesh. That's, uh, that's talking about the, the word superfluity. I've never, ever used it in my life outside of the King James Bible, right? Have you ever used it? Do you use superfluity? Like superfluity. Yeah, I was superfluid. I had superfluity yesterday, right? No. Superfluity means a residue left over from your life before God. It's the flesh. It's talking about the things you learned, those bad habits, that, those attitudes, those, those, like I, everybody in my life before Christ called their husband their old man. I'm not calling my husband that. And, and he's not, I wouldn't let him call me his old lady either. No, 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 no. I'll be your lady, but I'm there, don't, don't put that old in my old lady. Right? That, that was some superfluity. That was some attitudes left over. You know, the attitude left over that I can't let my husband get the last word. That was a big one for me. I had to learn. That was superfluity. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, you did not, right? I, no, no, that's not Proverbs 31. I had to take Proverbs 31 and learn how to live it, right? That's not Proverbs 31. And so there was a lot of superfluity. He said, he said lay that aside. Lay that, those attitudes and those things that you learned and those things that other people are doing out of their flesh. Lay that all aside. And what do you do? Receive with meekness. And that means teachableness. Like, I'm gonna, this can teach me something. I read it off here. It can help me. I'm going to put it to work in my life. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. The engrafted word. So when you eat the word, it becomes a part of you. It becomes a part of you. You know, whatever you ate for breakfast this morning, it's, it's, it's not just 
goes through your body through the digestive system, it breaks down and sends the nutrients of that to your cells. It's in your blood right now. It's in your organs right now. It's strengthening your muscles right now. And when you eat the word of God, it's just not hearing it and then closing your Bible, reading it and closing your Bible, hearing it and turning the tape off or the YouTube channel and saying, okay, I heard it now, I'm done. No, it's in you. It's a part of you. It's going into your life. It's going into your, to renew your mind. It's going in to strengthen you to stand in faith. It's going in to, to change, it's to shine light on your path. So that word is engrafted. Receive the engrafted word. And what happens when you do that? It's able to save your soul. He's talking to people who are already born again. He's talking to believers. Hallelujah. He calls them brethren. Right here in the same chapter, he's talking to people who are alive unto God. So what do they need saved? They need their soul saved. They need their mind, their will, their emotions brought under the subjection. So how do we do it? The word helps to divide the soul and the spirit, and the word helps to restore. The word save is a word that means liberate. It means restore. It means preserve. That salvation, that soteria, that all-inclusive word to prosper, you need your soul to prosper. Amen? You need your soul to be restored because you came out of a life before Christ and whatever your life was before Christ, it wasn't, it it was open to the destruction of the curse, of the wrong thinking of this world. And now you're here in the kingdom of God. You need your soul restored. And so the word of God restores the soul. It saves the soul. And then Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I'm telling you this will help you learn how to hear God. When you know how to identify what is your heart, what is coming into your heart, and what communication, and be skilled in the communication in your heart. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Notice, Paul is going to tell believers what to do with their mind and with their body. Do you think we need to be told what to do with our mind and our body? We can't just walk into the fullness of God, letting it all hang out. We need to put the girdle on. He said, gird up the loins of your mind, right? (laughs) We've got to have the word of God help us bring that structure to our soul and to our body. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. Present it. God's not going to force you to do anything. It's It's not an acceptable offering if it's being forced. Present your body. Lord, here I am. Here is my life. Here is my attitude. I want my attitude to match what your word says. I want my outlook to be what your word says. I don't want to have gloomy days, uh, uh, wasted days and wasted nights. I want to have the, the, the light that you talk about. You said that the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. So I'm going to present my body to you. I'm going to present my life to you. It has to be presented as a living sacrifice. Every day, Lord, I'm yours to command. Every day, Lord, these eyes you bought these eyes. You purchased these eyes. I'm, I'm going to put these eyes in the light. 
I'm going to look on those things that are, are pleasing to you. And I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm talking about I'm going to look at the right, the right outlook. I'm going to expect to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm not expecting defeat. I'm expecting great things. Hallelujah. So this presenting of your body, that's our part. And then he says, present your body, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is the least you could do, your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There it is again, saving of the soul. Because the mind is within that realm of the soul. It's got to be renewed. It's got to be restored. It's got to be brought back up to, online. Look at it this way. If, if, you, if, somebody had, had, uh, if, if somebody gave you a computer, but they had all kinds of uh, raunchy stuff on that computer, they had all kinds of viruses on that computer, well, you don't want to even open it up and put anything of, your, of yours on that computer until you delete it all and you restart. You just erase everything on that computer and so it, when it opens up, it opens up like it's brand new. And then when you come into the, the, the kingdom of God, you've got to erase all that stinking thinking from your life before Christ. You've got to erase it all. You've got to delete that off your hard drive and you've got to see it God's way. You've got to download God's applications, amen? God's software. So Romans chapter two says that you've got to present, 12, verse two, one and two, you've got to present your body, you've got to renew the mind. You be transformed by renewing your mind. Hallelujah. And so that's in the soul. And then, of course, one of our favorites is Psalm 23, verse 3, that the Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul in verse 3. He restores my soul. So the soul needs to be restored. But you're not your soul. You're not your soul, but your soul needs to be restored. You, you are a spirit. Let's look at Proverbs 20 and verse 27. Proverbs 20. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts. The spirit of man is the candle. Well, in my house, the only thing I use a candle for is to make the room smell good. Unless the, the electricity goes out and I need to light a candle. Oh, now there's a whole new purpose for that candle, right? Well, in this day, they didn't have electric light bulbs. And their candle was their lamp that they would put in the room to illuminate the room so that they could see what to do, so that they could see clearly. So this candle of the Lord, this is where God brings light to you. This is where God illuminates you and brings you wisdom and brings you understanding of what you need to do in that situation. So in your spirit is where God's going to illuminate you, not the mind. Do you know why we got to renew the mind? So that it doesn't argue with what he tells us in our spirit. If you don't renew the mind, he's going to speak to your spirit and your mind's going to be saying, no, no, we can't do that. No, no, that doesn't even make sense. 
strike the rock. No, that doesn't even make sense. Speak to the rock. No, that doesn't even make sense. Put the meal in the pot, that doesn't make sense. Go wash in the pool, Siloam, that doesn't make sense. The, the, the carnal mind will, will disqualify you and talk you out and reason your, uh, your instruction away, the instruction that you need, that prompting of the spirit that you need. So the renewing of the mind is helpful. Why? Because that's part of maturity so that I can hear God clearly without, my, without wrong thinking hindering me from walking in the light. So the spirit of man, the Amplified says, that factor in human personality which proceeds immediately from God. You, the, God is the father of spirits. He's the father of spirits. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The life that we have, that born-again life, it's, it's his life. It's the Zoe eternal life in us now. So because we're alive to him, this, this came from his word. We believed on his word and his word being incorruptible seed in our heart caused the new life of God to spring up. Amen? So when this this is this life enables me to hear him clearly. I can understand God. Why? Because I'm born of God. I'm alive with his life. When he speaks to me, it doesn't sound like a foreign language because it's his spirit to my spirit, deep unto deep. The, his innermost heart to my heart. Hallelujah. And, and, and that's the way he wants us to communicate with him from our spirit. So, and that's where he wants to communicate with us. Let's look at some other phrases that identify the inner man. Ephesians 3. We're looking at the heart because we've got to see we are, our heart, our spirit is uh, who we really are and where God will communicate with us. Ephesians 3 verse 16, it's part of this prayer uh, that the Apostle Paul prayed, uh, that, but the Holy Spirit is identifying something here specific, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit, where? In the inner man. That's a phrase that God uses to speak of your heart. He calls your heart the inner man, the real you, the inner Man, and that's where he's going to strengthen you with might. That's where his spirit will communicate directly to you in your spirit with might. Now, in Romans chapter 7, verse 22, I know there's a lot of scriptures, but I'm, I'm just wanting you to see that concept in each one of these so that you can see the puzzle pieces and they'll fit together for you. Romans 7, 22. Because when we see how the scripture tells us to identify our heart, our spirit, it will help us. Romans 7 and verse 22, he says, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Again, the inner man in Ephesians 3.16, here in uh, Romans after the Romans 7.22 the inward man. What do I do in the inward man? 
I delight in the ways of God, the concepts of God, the precepts of God, the law of God. I delight in that. I, my spirit loves tithing because that's God's way. You know, when I first started tithing, I hated it. I'll just be honest with y'all. Y'all can just, just mark it down. You go to a church with an honest pastor. I thought, this is terrible. How do I give 10%? I need every dollar. I need gas in my car. I need groceries. I need everything. And why does the church want the money? And, I'm, and, and my, my flesh, it was fear of not enough. It was fear of lack. It was fear of struggle. But when faith came, you know, Liliana had some milk the other day in a glass. She didn't drink it all. There was a little bit of milk still on the bottom of that glass, and I put it in the sink, and I turned the water on. And you know what happened? The water filled up and pushed all that milk out. And as the water ran, before long, all the milk was gone, and there was just water in that cup. And if you'll put the word in, it'll push that fear out. If you'll just, you, you don't have to fight with fear. Just, just give your focus to the word and the word will just fill you up and fill you up and fill you up. And that's what happened to me. The more I fed on the word, the more I thought, I'm gonna, I got bold about tithing. I'm gonna tithe. I'm gonna tithe if I, it's all the money I got in my hands. I'm gonna tithe it. I'm gonna do what God says because I believe God. I believe God. And I, I began to tithe with a boldness. Why? Because now I believed in it. Faith came, and I was doing it from my heart. And in the, when I was trying to do it in the beginning, I was doing it because they, the immaturity, you see, I wasn't mature in the things of God, and I didn't have any understanding of his concepts. But by my inward man, I delight in the way God says to do things. I delight in it. Oh, my Lord, when, the, when I found out that he wanted me to honor my husband and that Sarah called her husband Lord. She did what? Why did she go and do that and put me in this position? Why did Sarah set that example and call her husband Lord? And at the same time, the Lord was, was showing pastor that he had to love his wife like Christ loved the church, willing to give himself. But see, the word separated us from acting out of our emotions. It separates between spirit and soul. The word separated me from acting out of my emotions and put me over in this place where I could delight in the way that God said to do it. Out of my spirit, I delight in the way God said do it. And God said for me to honor my husband. God said for me to, to show him respect. And when I began to honor from the spirit, from my heart, because I was acting on the word, he began to love me like Christ loves the church. Yeah. Hallelujah. Do you know what the word submit means? One of the definitions, I am serious, y'all. One of the definitions of the word submit means duck. Get out of the way and... You see, when, when the wife is trying to, God said, and God's going, we're going to do the destiny what the Bible said, the Bible says, that's not going to accomplish. God says, just duck. I'll deal with him. Get out of my way and let me deal with him. You're welcome. 
You're welcome. Now listen, if a husband tries to tell a wife, woman, you better submit to me, it's not submission if you're, if you're demanding it. It's not submission if you're demanding it. It's pride. Oh, it's trouble. I like that. It's pride and it's trouble. So it, you want it to come from the heart and not just because pastor said, the Bible said, the Lord said, you got you to gotta call me Lord. <laughs> Trouble. Trouble. Right here in River City. <laughs> right? You want it to come from the heart. You want, we want to be obeying God from the heart, and then his love comes into our marriage and makes our marriage right. We can't do this right without him. There's a lot of people that might stay married a long time, but... To be married right, we need God and his love and his spirit to help us. And so if we, if we set ourselves to be doers of the word, then let him, you duck out of the way and let him handle it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So we delight with our heart after the, the ways of God. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, we're identifying how we live out of the Spirit and how we hear God from our Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 says, but though our outward man perish, talking about the body, though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So your inward man, that's why I'm not getting old. I might be increasing in age. Hallelujah. We can increase in age, but I am renewed day by day because I am a spirit. Our inward man is renewed day by day. Now, in 1 Corinthians, and we'll close here. I'm gonna, we're going to show you, uh, we're going to see here in 1 Corinthians how Paul separated himself, the, who he is from what his body is doing. First Corinthians chapter nine, and let's look at verse 27. He said, but I keep under my body. I subdue it. I keep it under. The I is him, the spiritually alive man that he is. I, I keep my body under and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So as you grow spiritually, you can govern your body. As you grow spiritually, you're, you're, responded to, you're, you're responsible to govern your body, to present it to the Lord. Hallelujah. With an understanding of the growth and the maturity and the feeding on the word and the doing of the word in my spirit, as I do this, I become, I move from that toddler stage into that responsible child who God can begin to lead me more effectively. Remember, the sons of God, those mature sons of God are led by the spirit of God. The reason that we've got to move into that maturity is so that we can hear 
and identify we've separated ourselves from the flesh. We've put our body under subjection. We've identified how to, uh, after the spirit, the inward man, delight in the ways of God. We, we are learning how to walk in the spirit. And when you walk in the spirit and you've got that growth of the maturity in you, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I said I was done, but that was my first close. This is my second. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, he said, I, brethren, talking to saved people, born-again people, people who loved Jesus, I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual. So the more mature I am, the more I'm going to understand from the things of God. If I am immature, there's not much God can deal with me about. There are, there are lines of discussion I can have with an adult that I can't have with a child. If I, if I were to walk up to little Christopher and tried to talk to Christopher about, uh, you know, something uh, on an adult level, he would be okay. He would not be able to understand. Liliana would not be able to understand algebraic equations. I'm not able to understand much algebra myself, but uh, let's pick another example, okay? <laughs> to, to be able to deal, if I were to try to explain how to uh, reset her computer, she wouldn't understand that. If I were to explain such and such, you know, about how a certain thing runs, she wouldn't be able to understand that. Why? I couldn't speak to her on that level. I don't want God to have things he needs to deal with me about, but he can't get them to me because there's immaturity in those areas. So what do I want to do? I want to grow in the things of God. And the more I grow, the more I understand, the more I can understand. With what measure you measure, it shall be measured to you again, right? With the measure of thought and attention you give to the truth you hear, that's going to determine how you're... And then he says, to him, to him that hears, he'll have more. But to him that has not, what, he's, what he has is going to be taken, right? So if I bring my maturity, my desire to understand and follow and submit my, my spiritual growth to the ways of God, then I'm going to be able to understand more. He said, I could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babies in Christ. And so what did he do? He said, I fed you with milk and not with meat. What was he doing with the milk? Trying to bring them up in their understanding. I fed you with milk because before now you were not able to bear it. Isn't that what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 15 and 16? He said, I have more to share, but you're not able to bear it, but the Holy Spirit will help you understand it when he comes. So we have the one who'll help us understand those things we couldn't get the first time. But notice he says, for you are yet carnal. I want to identify this. You are yet carnal. They were saved and they'd been saved a while because he's been feeding them milk a while, long enough that they should have grown past that stage right? He said, you're yet carnal. What was the evidence of carnality? Envy, strife, divisions. Envy, strife, 
divisions. Well, I'm this, and I believe this, and I'm, I'm, I baptize this way, and this, 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 this. I'm, I'm divided. I'm better because of how I believe better. Those divisions, the strife, the envyings were evidence that they were not maturing spiritually. And notice this, and can you show me the amplified of verse 3? He says, are you not carnal and walk as men? Walk as men. The amplified says, you are behaving, you are unspiritual and of the flesh, behaving yourself after a human standard and like mere unchanged men. We've been changed. We've been changed. We're not limited to that low life. We're not limited to that low level of thinking. We're not limited to those, that, that, those actions and those attitudes. So do you see the leading of the Lord? For him to be able to tell us things that we need to know, we're going to have to bring spiritual maturity to the table. We're going to have to develop our heart. We're going to have to train our spirit to be in charge of what we're thinking. Ooh, I'm going to say that one again. We've got to train our spirit to be in charge of what we're thinking. He said we're supposed to take every thought captive. You can't do that with fleshly tools. For you to take every thought captive, your spirit's going to have to be on its game. You're going to have to be aware, whoa, 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 that thought made me fear. I take authority over that. I'm not allowing any thought that makes me fear. I'm not watching anything that makes me afraid to walk through a dark parking lot. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to be silly, and I'm not going to be foolish and put myself in a position that I know, but I'm not going to be afraid either. Amen? So, so hear me. When, th- when thoughts come, you've got to be on guard because not every thought you think is your thought. Not every thought that you think originated out of your mind. Every time you turn the TV on, there's a vision being televised. There are thoughts being introduced. Every time you, you hear people talking about certain things or, or opinions or attitudes, those thoughts are being presented. You've got to guard your thoughts. Why? Because this has to do with my heart being settled. If I, if I am full of fear and worry and anxiety and I am tore up from the floor up, how am I going to hear from God? If he directs me by peace and I don't have any, how am I going to know when it's his direction? If I'm not in a place where he can say, I bear witness with that, go. If I'm, if I'm all anxious, I don't know what to do. I'm so upset. I'm so overburdened. If I've got so many things weighing me down and tying me up and I've got this and I've got this and I'm so responsible for all these different things. What am I going to do? How can I hear from God in that condition? And the most important thing that I need every day is his direction. The most important thing you need on a daily basis is to know what God wants you to do in this situation. Because there are things that you're going to have to make decisions about and, and you come to that place and you think, I don't know what to do. You are not at a loss. 
Go to the one who does know. He knows what to do in that situation and seek him till you know. I've watched my husband because when I came in to the things of God, I didn't, I didn't have any example of anybody who prayed. I'd never seen anybody pray in front of me, not, not really pray. And so when I began uh, in, in our marriage to watch my husband, when difficulties would arise, he set himself in the presence of God. He sought God. He does still. He, he'll seek about the direction of the church, about people's lives. He'll be in prayer and, and y'all come up. He'll be like, I was praying and I saw such and such face come before me today and I prayed for them. He, he, he'll, he'll get in that place and deal with situations by seeking God until God tells him what to do. And the more he's developed in that, the more I've, I've watched him go from being impulsive about responding to things to saying, I'm not making a decision till I know what God wants us to do. And if I'll come and I'll say, honey, this is happening. This is what we're dealing with right now. He'll say, I'm going to change that in prayer. But he, he doesn't just jump out and, and respond out of what looks to be a spiritual response. He goes to the Lord and finds out, what do I do? How do I fix this? What needs to change? Hallelujah. We need to hear from God. We need to hear from God. So your human spirit is the candle where God's going to shine the light. He wants you to start looking here. He wants you to prepare your heart so that your heart is in a condition to hear, not not overburdened, not worried, but you're, you're restoring your soul. You're taking the authority over your soul, putting it under your spirit so your spirit can hear clearly what God's saying to you. Amen? Now you can go out of here today and put that to work in your life. You can go out of here today and make that decision. Let's just do that right now.